You're listening to a resource from Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church exists to know Christ Jesus together and to make Him known. We are located in Sugar Creek, Ohio. For more information, visit our website at alpinebible.org. May Jesus be glorified in your life. singing about the Lord Jesus, worshiping Him in song, and this time of year is a wonderful reminder to focus on who He is, why He came, and uh, the words of the songs all direct us that way, and uh, trust that if you're uh, not a believer in Christ or you're new to the faith, that you would be encouraged today by the reminder of His story, of how He came, why He came, and those who are involved in the story, and as well that we include all of us because we're all a part of the story of the unfolding of Christ, right? We're all living testimonies of what he's done in our lives, and so we share that together uh, today. And so if you don't know Christ, there is somebody sitting beside you or in front of you, behind you, who knows the Lord personally and would love to uh, have a chance to share that with you. We're in the first chapter of Luke. If you want to make your way there, the Gospel of Luke. We covered last week the uh, couple, an aged couple who were uh, given this miracle of uh, having a child, even though they were of old age, they were uh, blessed with a child, the name was John the Baptist, born to uh, uh, this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth. We find out that they are uh, relatives of Mary. The story we pick up today is in verse 26, and the birth of, uh, the announcement of the birth of Christ to Mary. I want to remind us that uh, we're looking at those who were faithful in the first century and uh, those who were looking and were literally waiting for Christ's coming, the Messiah's coming. And uh, you and I today can sense the parallel, I hope, with our own expectation for his second coming. Do you believe he's coming? As a believer in Christ, we are looking for that. And so we trust that we'll be encouraged from God's word as we put our focus there. But his promises to return are, are strong, and his promises to come, period, uh, were uh, uh, mentioned many times in the Old Testament. And in fact, there are some prophecies that are uh, being answered in this text that we're going to look at today, spoken to Mary. The angel Gabriel appears to her with this announcement. And uh, just before we read our text, just to remind us that uh, the... Uh, the appearance of the angel speaking to Mary was uh, really referencing and letting her know that certain of these scriptures that she would have known, Isaiah 7:14, she would have known this text perhaps. Uh, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, uh, again reminding us of this birth of a child, and uh, Mary would reflect on these things. Uh, what she still had no capacity to understand, perhaps, is just the big scope of what this all means. But as we read our text, we'll see here that uh, Mary is uh, just a young maiden who's living a life like any of us. She's living a simple life. She's not thinking about 
angelic beings and miracles. She's uh, engaged to a carpenter. She's planning on getting married. She's uh, looking forward to that day. Joseph's a, just a steady guy who's going to have a job. They're going to live a quiet life. I'm sure that as a young girl, she was dreaming these kinds of things and had no idea that her life was going to be so interrupted by an, an angelic visit that would change the course of her life. I, I do want to remind us as we look in our text today that one of the applications I want to make for us is that we understand that each of us has had a visitation from God. Some of you have had uh, a sense of his presence. Sometimes it's in a song. Uh, this week I was on YouTube watching uh, the uh, uh, sort of memorial service of a guy named Ralph Carmichael. Carmichael, some of you wouldn't know who he is, but in my day he was the godfather of gospel music in the church. He, re he wrote courses and things that at one point in time he was accused of being liberal because he wrote songs that weren't on, in the hymn books and, uh, and so on. But a song, one song he wrote is a song that Kathy Freeze uh, gave her life to Christ, looking at the words of that song, on your organ bench one day. And uh, the Lord Jesus Christ used a song to save you. Uh, there are all kinds of ways we can find Christ because he speaks and communicates to us. But uh, as we look in the text, that's what gonna, what's going to be happening. Uh, so let's read together and uh, this amazing story. Verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to... Uh, uh, was sent to... Uh, sorry, was sent by God to a city named uh, in, in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man in whose uh, name was Joseph uh, and uh, of the house uh, of, of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come uh, to the angel, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Uh, blessed are you among women. But when she saw him and she was troubled at his saying, she considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Well, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Well, then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The phrase means, since I am, not, I am a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Let me read that again. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's a great story, isn't it? And as we uh, sort of process through this story, we uh, need to realize that uh, some things were said to Mary that actually, in many ways, relate to you and I. Uh, matter of fact, there are seven statements that the angel makes to Mary as he's basically calling Mary to a higher purpose. And really, you and I, in many ways, are called to that similar higher purpose. 
And so let me look phrase by phrase at some of these things that are said to her and how they not only are good for her, but they also apply to us in some way. The first thing we read is in verse 28, rejoice, highly favored one. That statement's made by the angel. It's the first thing he says to her, rejoice, highly favored one. I, I, I find it interesting in the text that Mary doesn't sound like she's afraid, uh, fearful as most who have an uh, you know, uh, those who, we t- who testify of having a, a moment with an angel might scare you to death, but she doesn't seem to be too afraid of that. But she hears this phrase, rejoice, highly favored one. That, that phrase actually means rejoice those who are singled out by God. That's what it means. And her spiritual condition at that time of her life was really no different from anyone else today. She was told, uh, you know, who her son was going to be. She was told what he was going to do. But just like everyone else, Mary would need to eventually place her faith and believe in him, uh, to place her faith in him, and just like the rest of us. But at this point in her life, she was certainly highly favored, uh, chosen to be the mother of God's son. It was typical in Jewish days in that culture for young girls to dream about Maybe I'll be the one who will give birth to the Messiah. That was a thing that was common in those days. But yet a girl who's in Nazareth probably wasn't thinking that she had much to uh, qualifications to have that opportunity. So I don't know if she was thinking that or not. We don't know. But I want to say this to us today in light of that phrase. You and I today are highly favored. As I think about that phrase every year, I'm reminded about the fact of what Jesus Christ has done in my life and done in many of your lives, as the testimonies of many of us would uh, bring tears to our eyes if we could have time to just express the full sense of the testimony that we all have. But you and I were chosen. We were chosen by Jesus Christ to know him. We were chosen to follow him. You and I were chosen to uh, uh, be adopted as his children, which is an amazing thing. And I want to remind you of that from just a few verses to uh, bring us back to that focus out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through uh, 6, roughly. So let me just read these verses to you. You can jot it down if you don't have it. Referring to Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul's writing to Christians, and he's saying we are all blessed with spiritual blessings. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved that is he allows us to fit into his plan to be with him to be accepted by him and with each other because he's designed this that we can have this uh, time together he says in in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence so there's this wonderful sense that god has invested himself before the foundations of the world to, uh, to have this plan that he wants us to have a sense of, uh, of faith and, 
and by his grace and, and to have righteousness in our lives as he makes us righteous by what he's done for us. Over in 1 John 3, verse 1, he says it this way through the Apostle John. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. I mean, we say these phrases all the time, but if you can just pause and grasp this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, after what he's done for us to make himself available to us, has offered us this relationship with him, whereby no matter who you are, what you think you've done, or how imperfect you feel you are, this is God reaching out to you and saying, I want you to have a relationship with me. And this is God providing that relationship through Jesus Christ and offering that to us and then offering us not only to have a relationship but to be brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ, in a sense, in heaven forever. Do you believe that? I mean, doesn't that move you today? It should. So I can say on one hand, truly Mary was blessed. And the text tells us that. Yet so are we today who have called on Jesus Christ and to follow him. You should rejoice today because you are highly favored. I can tell you, growing up in my home, uh, I often thought I wasn't highly favored. I'm the middle child. You know what that means. I mean, I, you get overlooked by all the, all the older kids. They get the clothes and then they hand them down to you. One of those things, except my brother was six foot seven. The sleeves would go down to my knees. I remember one time I got a sweater and it had a kind of a letter on it. I thought, that's cool. And I put that thing on to wear to school. I'm telling you, you couldn't find my, you couldn't find my elbows. I mean, that sweater was so long. And, uh, but I wore that with pride until I found out it, it's not a letter from the school. It's from Occidental University, which doesn't even exist anymore. But whatever. Yeah. But I learned through my uh, stubborn, independent life, my uh, difficult personality to get along with, I learned one day that I was highly favored by Jesus Christ. It changed my life. And I know many of you have the same testimony. The second thing that was said to Mary in that same verse is this, the Lord is with you. First of all, rejoice you're highly favored. You need to get that in your head today, no matter who you are. Walk out knowing you're highly favored. But secondly, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. This is not based on feelings. Because sometimes we think, if I don't feel the Lord, I don't think he's there. Well, it's not based on that. It's not based on experiences. It's based strictly on faith in God's gracious word in your life. Uh, Mary was just like you. She had to pray. Uh, she had to be someone who, uh, uh, who, who, from an Old Testament standpoint, was one who believed God's word and was obedient to God's word. Uh, I'm sure that all those things were in her life. She was living a righteous life in that sense. Uh, and so, you know, Mary would uh, be a, a, a blessing to all of us to know her and to see her life and someone worth following, I'm sure. But when you hear this statement made to you, and I'm sure as Mary heard this, uh, hearing God's presence was with her and how wonderful an assurance that would have been to a young girl in Nazareth who is living at a time when God had been silent for 400 years, and suddenly you hear an angel uh, in your room speaking to you and saying, you're highly favored, you should rejoice about that, and the Lord is with you. Now, a, a Jewish girl, uh, even a Jewish boy, anyone of that age, 
they were raised to know something of the law and they would have looked back on some reference point and I think that she would have looked back on what was said to Joshua by Moses in Deuteronomy 31 because this is something they all would sort of know these verses. Uh, so Moses is talking to Joshua right before Joshua assumes the leadership of God's people. And Moses called Joshua and said to him, I'm in verse uh, 7 of chapter 31, Be strong, Joshua, and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Uh, and the Lord, uh, he is the one who goes before you, and he will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. I'm sure that Mary would have uh, sort of reached back in her mind and pulled something out in that moment that she did know from God's word. But I, I, I wonder this morning if Mary, who would have had perhaps that passage in her mind, as certainly this experience now, uh, the angel saying, the Lord is with you. I wonder how Mary felt on that night when she was coming into Bethlehem, riding on a donkey and uh, about to have birth. Uh, perhaps she was already in labor. Joseph's frantic to try and find a place. And uh, to, to hear the words, there's no room here for you. I wonder how that affected her sense that the Lord is with her. I wonder how Mary felt about the Lord being with her when she... Uh, recognized that day when he was uh, arrested and when he was uh, uh, beaten and just basically torn to shreds and eventually crucified on a cross. I wonder how Mary felt about that phrase, the Lord is with you. I wonder what she felt about that phrase when she heard Jesus say from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? be interesting to ask Mary, how's your faith today? But here's the thing. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when he was victorious over the very thing that took his life, when he appeared to his followers, and I'm sure at that point when Mary saw him and heard and saw him, you can imagine that that phrase then came ringing back to her, the Lord is with you. And you can imagine that Mary uh, exalted, and she will tell us that later. She exalted in that. And here's the thing I want to remind all of us today that that statement is so fantastic when you sort of pause and think about that in terms of us. Because when he promises her that he's going to be with her, and then she sees all these things, the dark clouds over her life and all these things, and yet realizes at the end of the road, he has and always was with me, and he's never left me nor forsaken me. I don't know what you're going through in your own life, but I can just tell you that sometimes we go through some dark trials in our own life. Nick prayed about that just a moment ago. And so for you and me, that phrase ought to mean everything to us today. The Lord is with you no matter what. Some of you have experienced that in, in various ways that you, you have tested and challenged that very truth, and you know, you know it's true. According to God's word, every true believer in Christ Jesus literally has the presence of the Lord with us and in us. Hallelujah. As a result, the Lord knows you intimately today. He cares about you. He listens to you. Not just when you're praying to him, but when you're talking about your circumstances and life and 
the messes you're in, the, the things you're facing, the brokenness you're dealing with. He understands all of that, and he answers those who pray according to his will. I want to say that again. He answers uh, according to those who pray according to his will. He does. He does answer. Maybe you're not sure about that today. So I'm thankful today that the Lord is with me every moment of my life and with you as well, every circumstance, every trial. So I just want to say to you and I today, as we think about that phrase, he is with you, I want you to just sort of be reminded to walk today in victory. Get up tomorrow morning, face your day, whatever it's going to be, and walk without being in defeat of what's coming in your life. Live as an overcomer, because that's who we are. Uh, we are more than conquerors. Oh, Ralph Carmichael wrote a song called that. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us so. Uh, we are uh, able to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if I really believe that, that's got to pull me through any kind of thing that I'm facing uh, in the days ahead. The third thing the angel said to her was this. Specifically, this is, does not apply to anybody here this morning, thank goodness. The angel says, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. No, that does not apply to you in that sense. But there is an application. Now, first of all, when the angel says that to Mary, she's hearing for the first time what this encounter is all about. Oh, uh, I'm not just supposed to rejoice and, and the Lord is with me, but... He has a task for me. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. I mean, to hear that from God, all right, this is not a reveal party. Oh, I, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I, I can't wait to find out. You know, no, she's being told prior to her being impregnated that this is going to take place. And here's where our faith kicks into gear again, because this prophetic promise is being made with such an emphasis on the declaration from God. When God says he's going to do something, my friend, he's going to do it. And again, the challenge for us is, do we believe all the things that we're told in God's word? Last week we talked about this. If you don't believe one part of what God says, you may as well just throw it all, in the, uh, throw it all away because you don't believe anything. If you don't believe one thing about God, how can you say you believe in something else? Our faith is often going to be tested by these impossible things in our lives that we wonder how we're going to make it and get through. But she's hearing this, and God's declaring his word. It will be done. And it gives such a strength. I mean, I can imagine Mary hearing this and saying, okay, if, God, if God's saying this, and she basically does surrender to that truth later on, but obviously if she's hearing that, she's saying, all right, this is, this is really going to happen. Now, I... Uh, spoke about this last week, but I just want to remind you again. I'm, I'm so dialed into this right now. When John, the Apostle John, heard this statement from Jesus in Revelation 22, 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. When he heard that, our God was kind enough to repeat it. I, I, there's not too often where in the same sentence Jesus repeats himself, but when he says to him again in verse 12, uh, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And then he says it a third time. Uh, surely, verse 20, Surely I am coming quickly. When he says that, we better take notice and stand and say in faith, He is coming soon. I believe that with all my heart. 
Yes, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And for me, what I hear there is, it will be done just like everything else I say will be done. The fourth thing that the angel says is this. Call his name Jesus. Call his name Jesus. 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 I have done uh, my studies in different areas, and one of the things I've done when you study church history, when you go way back, especially if you go back to the uh, early days of Gregorian chants and uh, those who uh, tried to sing in the church and those who wrote early, the earliest hymns that we have. And what's fascinating to me is that the earliest writers rarely ever talk much about Jesus. The, the name Jesus really did not appear for some time. God, creator, judge, all kinds of, but the, the concept of Jesus wasn't very much a part of hymnology. Then you have uh, Fanny Crosby who comes by, uh, comes along, who's blind, and she writes 3,000 plus hymns. And in her hymns, uh, many of them, most of them were about Jesus, and that kind of changed hymnology in the church. And then we went through a phase again in the uh, 60s and the 1960s and so on where Newer songs weren't about Jesus again. They were about other things, love and all kinds of weird stuff. And then in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, new writers came along and started talking about Jesus in, in just, you know, saturating ways. And I thought it'd be fun just to, for those of you who are my age and older perhaps, to remember some of these things, but just so you know, the name Jesus. Why is it so special? Because it's Yeshua, which means what? Savior. Savior. It's a wonderful name. No wonder God gave that name from heaven to Jesus. Listen to some of these words. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as the days go by. As I singing as I go. Sorry, I lost the word there. Jesus is the sweetest name I know, and he's just the same as his lovely name. And that's the reason why I love him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Jesus, name above all names. Beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel. God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living word. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of the nations, son of God and son of man, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. A lot of the songs we're seeing today, new songs, you don't hear his name much in those songs either. And it's concerning. And so those of you in a younger generation growing up, I, 
I hope that somehow, because you're not hearing it repeated over and over and over as we sing, I hope that you pick up that the name of Jesus, the very name of Jesus as Savior, is precious to you because that's what he's done in your life. So I guess the question is, do you love his name? I had it drilled into me. So even when I played sports, if somebody was using his name in vain, I would dish it out as best I could to let that person know they were saying the wrong thing in front of me. If I was playing football or basketball, it didn't make any difference. If somebody used his name in vain, they were a target. I'll tell them about Jesus and how much he loves them after I knock them down. Uh, first, I'm going to just tell them they're not doing that anymore. I couldn't stand to hear that in the locker room. I couldn't stand to hear that when I got a job working in steel mills. I would often defend his name. I had a guy who was uh, on my case. I worked labor for my dad, so I had the grunt jobs. I can remember this one guy who was uh, lazy as could be in the first place and had me doing all his work and thought he was going to get away with it. And I can just remember him uh, using the Lord's name in vain. And one day I just... I lovingly, as best I could, got in his face after I prayed and said, I don't want to hear that ever again in my presence. You can say it behind my back, but what you're saying is wrong. And at first he got snarky with me, but you know what? The next day, he didn't say anything. And the next day after that, he didn't say anything. So I chose to sat by him at lunch to see if he was going to say anything. <laughs> and he actually said to me, I respect what you had to say and I'm trying not to be that kind of person in your presence anymore. And I thank him. The world doesn't understand or care about his name, but his name should mean everything to you. Everything to you because of what he's done for us. So rejoice, you're highly favored today. The Lord is with you. He's going to keep his word no matter what. You can count on it. And that name of Jesus is special. It should be special to you. The fifth thing that the angel said to her was this. He will be great, the son of the highest. Now Mary just heard that her son was going to be the son of God. I, I, I don't know how she processed that. But I can tell you that as significant as that was for her, it was equally significant for you and I. Because Jesus, in order for us to understand him to be our savior, he had to be born of a woman. He had to break the curse of Adam's sin on all men. And so it's no wonder that Mary asked God, uh, or the angel rather, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Uh, how's that going to happen? And this was, not, this was not a question like Zach, uh, Zacharias. Remember last week he, he cynically said, uh, you know, as though he was saying, I don't believe it. He, says he wanted a sign. He wanted somehow to have proof. And so uh, God sort of disciplined him for that. Well, Mary's simply asking a question because she, doesn't, she hasn't had a relationship with anyone. How is this pregnation going to happen? It's pretty much a biology question. She had to become pregnant by God himself and not by man. This would guarantee a son who's fully human and fully God becoming a perfect sacrifice for sin because he wasn't under the curse of Adam. So verse 35, the angel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore also that Holy One was to be born, uh, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay. You know, you and I, we hear that story, we sing it every year. 
And we all love Christmas. I, I, I love the time of Christmas. It's a beautiful story. But it's a story with a very bitter event. And this tiny baby coming, this innocent child coming, born from a young virgin, uh, coming for, for one purpose, and that's to die for you and me. A gift that's given by God himself to set you free who so loved the world himself that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it's, it is the fact that he is great when I think about his greatness and why he came. And it's no wonder that the angels and the saints, they worship him with such passion and splendor. Now this morning you sang well, especially those last two songs, you really sang well, it was, it was very moving. But one day we'll all be together around the throne of God and our singing will be spiritualized by the perfectness of our spirits. And let me just remind you of the scene that's going to happen that hasn't yet happened. And we've read this many times, but let me just take you there again. Revelation 5. And listen as the saints of heaven with all the angels of heaven express to the Lord Jesus the worthiness of his name. The scenario is stated for us in the first few verses. I saw on the right hand, hand who, him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, was uh, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel uh, proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. John says, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now, many say the scroll is sort of like the title deed uh, to freeing earth from the curse of sin. Uh, and if no one can open the scroll, then we're all, we're all condemned. We're all in trouble. After he weeps, in verse 5 says, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... That's a phrase that describes the, uh, the, the, the seed or the, uh, uh, the, the kingly seed of David. And this one is the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, uh, coming through the line all the way to uh, Jesus Christ being born. He has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. That's just a description of how perfect the Holy Spirit is in that setting, showing us the, the, the depth of the Spirit. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each and then describes them bowing before him. They sang a new song in verse, verse 9. goes on to say, here's what they sang. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That, that crowd is all those who have received forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ who have placed faith in him who are around the throne 
and then who are worshiping him because he has redeemed them by his blood. That's you and I, by the way. I think that we'll be in this scene. And we're going to be bowing before him, giving praise and adoration. This is a future text, and we're going to be before him as we praise him and celebrate what he's done for us. Verse 11 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, there's no zeros. You can't count them. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them all saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. The name of Jesus just stirs the heart of all of creation, and hopefully it stirs your heart even this morning and as you go into the Christmas season, because it's all about this. It's all about him. Something that should flow out of our hearts even now is the name of Jesus. So the angel says one more thing. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. It's a declaration of the covenant that God made with David. We can read, uh, if you want it, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The covenant is listed there for us. I'm going to jump to a psalm. It's an abbreviated form of the covenant in Psalm 89. And uh, I'm going to read from that just to uh, remind us of that covenant. If I can track it down. Here we go. Psalm 89, verse 3 and 4. Just in succinct, this is what is written for us here. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. Your seed will, I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. That sounds great. Uh, Isaiah, uh, in chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, as you know, in that text is a text that has been mystified many because uh, somehow it's just not happened and the Jews have been confused by the timing of this. But in Isaiah chapter 9, that's on many of your Christmas cards, you read this phrase again uh, in verse 6 and 7, but for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. That's on the, on the Christmas cards. And then you might read a few words out of here, but it says, And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over, the king, over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. There's another one of those emphatic statements. God's going to do this and you need to believe it. So if a child is going to be born and Mary is now experiencing that truth, but the rest of this prophecy has not happened. He was crucified. He was uh, resurrected, of course, and then he went back to the Father in his ascension. So how can any of this yet that's been written here ever come true? Uh, 
okay, he's, he's a wonderful, yes, he's counselor, mighty God, well, you know, everlasting father, uh, prince of peace. Prince of peace is always a great one that shows up in many things, but when it says that there will be no end to his government and upon the throne of David and over the kingdom, so re religious Jews are, that's why they don't believe Jesus has already come. How can he have already come? This hasn't happened yet. And so they're still looking for the Messiah to return and establish the throne of David. And she, she's hearing this very phrase that has been uh, longed for by Jews in her day that the Messiah would come. And so he's declaring it's going to take place. So it's an assurance for Mary to hear this, uh, to be the mother of the Messiah. It's an amazing thing. And she's hearing this processing yet, doesn't know the whole story yet. But what an assurance for her. But also, I want to say today, what an assurance for you and I. And I'm saying that because in her day, uh, as the angel is speaking, these are prophecies that are, you know, 700 to 1,000 years old before the, the angel Gabriel spoke this to her. And here we are 2,000 years later, and what God said he's going to do hasn't happened yet. And so I'm back to the same thing again. If you believe that Jesus came the first time, died on the cross for your sins, uh, went to glory uh, uh, after he ascended, and that he says, I'm coming back, and surely I'm coming back, if he's saying that, then he's saying that because this still has to be fulfilled, friends. Today we have some churches that are trying to rearrange how, that, how that's going to be fleshed out. Uh, some are not sure that it's going to happen that way or there's going to be a throne in Israel and all that's up for grabs. And I'm just going to take God's word as a very simple mind and say, God said it, he's going to do it. Do you believe that? You need to. So as we uh, uh, just sense this as Mary's dealing with him, we are also encouraged, and it's an assurance for us that if God's saying this, he's going to establish that, and this is going to take place. Finally, there's one more thing he says to her. The seventh thing is this, and he says this to her. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So as she's hearing that and dealing with that, trying to make sense of that, you've got to go back to, again, Psalms. I'm going to take you back here to this psalm in Psalm, uh, where do I want to go? I want to go with uh, Psalm 45 and read this to you. Just two verses. Now, if you're a student of the Old Testament, Psalm 45 is a messianic psalm. It's all about uh, the Lord, uh, our Savior, the descriptions of him in heaven and so on. And, and then he, we have this one phrase that's just wonderful for us because in verse 6, this is God speaking. And God says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God. So as, as David writes this, uh, or actually isn't, well, I don't know if it is or not. I think it's the sons of Korah who wrote this. So it's a psalmist writing this, and he's, he's expressing the fact that God, your kingdom's forever. Your throne's forever. It's going to be established in righteousness. Uh, you love righteousness. You hate wickedness. But look at this next phrase in verse 7. Therefore, God, talking to the Father, therefore, God, your God has anointed you. 
So who's talking to who? And so, you know, many don't know who he, exactly who he's speaking to. But when he says, therefore, God, your God has anointed you, he's talking to uh, God, the son, really, in a sense, God, the pre-incarnate son. But therefore, God, meaning the Lord Jesus, your God, the father has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions and your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces by, by which they have made you made you glad uh, it's just a description of our lord in that sense and it's restated and requoted for us in hebrews chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 where the writer of hebrews pulls this out but to the son he says your throne O god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom the whole point is that we, you and I, will reign with him one day in heaven. Now, the angel's saying this to Mary, and he's reassuring her that she needs to put her trust in this word from God. So he finishes up his time with Mary by reflecting on Mary's relative. And he takes us back to that story of one named Elizabeth. And so the angel to sort of wrap this up, this announcement up, uh, says to her then, now indeed, it's verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this time is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. We talked about that last time. The fact that it was, for Zacharias, it was an impossibility that God could bring them into have a child at their old age. And again, God reminds us that there's no impossibilities with God. So he reassures Mary with that. And then she comes back with this response to him. According to your word, blessed is she who believed for... Uh, look at verse 45. It's kind of a wrap-up here. Uh, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. It's an amazing statement from Elizabeth, but there's this sort of wrap-up that this is, this is it. God is, can do anything. There's nothing impossible for him. And so here's that response, that Mary's blessed because she believes God. As I uh, just sort of try to wrap this together, I just want to take some thoughts here as we sort of close this out. And just I've asked myself this, and I'm asking you today. Because what a glorious reassurance here in this text. And so as Mary responds, you've got to ask yourself, is God able and is God willing to answer my impossible prayers? Now, we all probably have something that we wish could take place or which would occur. And, and oftentimes we have categories of our prayers. God healing someone, uh, God uh, pulling someone out of a serious trouble, God's changing and saving a life that just seems like they're out in left field somewhere. We have our concerns, and sometimes we gauge how impossible that is by the circumstances of the person, who they are, what they've done, uh, how great the, uh, the stack of things against them might be, and so we can say, no, that, that's not possible. I don't think, God, I don't think God's going to do something there. And we can sort of negate God by saying that. But I can come back and say, when we pray, and if we pray according to God's will and purpose, then God is telling us anything is possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. 
And so, yes, God can and does answer impossible prayers. So is God stirring in your own mind today about something that you think is impossible and you're wanting to shift your thinking to a place of faith where you say, no, God can do this and I'm going to pray that he can do this for his glory according to his will and I believe with every ounce in me that this can take place. Can you pray like that? But what holds you back from praying like that? Mary responded in the way we all should. As a willing servant saying, according to your word, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering to your word. According to your word, let it be as you've said. So the Lord Jesus Christ today, on this day, in this place, is, I think, calling out to us again to believe his word. You can't, again, take part of it and not believe all of it. Believe his word. Believe what he says is true. Be ready in your heart. Are you ready to be a willing servant for his eternal purposes? And if you can say, I am ready to do that, then I'm going to tell you that what God is about to do in your life is truly amazing. He's waiting to save someone in this room. That's what he's all about. He's waiting to change the course of your life, if you'll listen to him. He's waiting to uh, resolve issues that you cannot resolve yourself and you're struggling big time and he's waiting for you to let go and trust him in that sense and pray according to his will. He's just waiting so he can show you what he wants to do. He's waiting to fix that marriage. He's waiting to fix uh, your financial issues if you trust him and obey him and do what he's calling you to do. He's waiting to do things in your life but the issue is always going to be, do you believe? I'm always uh, contemplating that moment when he came off the Mount of Transfiguration and a lame man was brought to him. And the father said, others have prayed for him, your disciples have prayed for him, and nothing's changed. And Jesus, what does Jesus say to him? If you have enough faith, O oh, you of little faith, Jesus Christ is looking for us to believe everything, everything he said. And if you'll do that, your life cannot be the same tomorrow. It cannot, if you trust that. And that's my challenge for myself and for all of you here today. He is worth it. He is worthy. And the name Jesus, I hope, if nothing else, strikes your heart this week, maybe even as you're listening on the radio as all the volume of Christmas songs that are on every channel in the universe, as that happens this sorry, as that happens this week, I want to challenge you to listen for his name. And if you don't hear it at all, you need to know that the battle is raging between the world and the Savior. And the world doesn't want you to dial in to the name Jesus. Because that name is all powerful. And that name will change you. But everything else, all the other stuff, angels and joy and blessing and food and fun and all the stuff about giving gifts and you know, all that stuff, all that stuff is meaningless 
if you don't have a sense of Jesus at the top of your list. Let me pray. Lord, you're, you're the Savior, and you have saved so many in this room who have bowed before you, some at meetings, some in private, some in their cars, uh, who knows where, and you have revealed yourself, and today you remind us that you reveal yourself to us, and we are highly favored as a result of that. You remind us that you're with us, you love us, and you're drawing us to yourself. And that the things in your word that we read, you're saying you're going to do them yet. And so we leave here yet, I hope, today, believing that's true. Well, Lord, may we be able to apply that then to our own personal faith and believe that you're still working in our lives. We, all of us in this room, anyone who listens to you is highly favored. And I pray that people would discover you today who do not have you in their hearts as Lord and Savior, that someone would recognize and hear your voice and turn to you and give their lives to you because you are worthy. Help the rest of us to clear the deck of all the worldly stuff that clouds you out so we can once again hear your voice and call on you in faith, pray according to your will, and then sit back and know you're going to answer you're going to save me as I call on you. Lord, we uh, thank you for your word and for this time of year. We ask your blessing on our lives and those who maybe have broken homes or miserable families right now in some way or circumstance. May you just rule over the heart of the person here listening or the person listening on TV, just that you would rule over their hearts, fill them, as we prayed earlier, with your spirit and give the joy of knowing Christ in their hearts. And I plead on behalf of those who yet do not know you personally, that you would make yourself known in such a special way, even today. Would you do that, Lord, because your desire is to have your name and your reputation magnified above all other names. And so today we declare that you are worthy, Jesus the Savior of the world. We pray this in Christ's precious name and all for your glory. Amen. God bless you. I'll just ask you to stand. I'll dismiss you with this benediction. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen.